Oh, hallelujah. Well, do you have your Bibles this morning? Everybody got a Bible? Turn with me this morning, if you would, to the book of 1 Samuel, please. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. The last chapter in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Praise God. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1 today. And I don't, did I mention we will have church tonight? I know I mentioned Wednesday night and no Sunday night next week. But yes, we will have church tonight at 6. Okay, so do your best to come back and be a part of Sunday night church tonight. First Samuel chapter 30 and verse number 1 says this. Now it happened. Boy, you could almost stop right there and preach, couldn't you? <laughs> now it happened. When David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive Now David was greatly distressed, for the the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The King James says that he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Verse 7, then David said to Abiathar the priest, Abimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all pursue for you shall overtake them and without fail recover all father we ask you to help us today to minister your word may the anointing of the holy spirit rest upon us today in a special way open our hearts open our understanding open our ears to hear and receive what the spirit of the lord would say to your church this morning and we give you praise For it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Everybody pretty much, I imagine, is familiar with this particular passage in this story. It's one of my favorite in the Bible. But David and his family and his men and their families, his 600 men and their families, had been living here in this city of Ziklag for a little over a year, about a year and four months or so. Ziklag was kind of an in-between place for David. It was between Bethlehem, which was 
where he began, his beginning, where he received the prophecy and the call of God through Samuel that he would be king. And it was between Bethlehem and Jerusalem which was to be his his intended destiny, the place where God had intended for David to be. David's in an in-between place right now. He, his, 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 he's in between his beginnings and his, his desired and proclaimed uh, destiny from God. And we all spend some time, uh, all of us do, in Ziklag. That's the place between our prophecy and God's plan for our life and us fulfilling that plan. Between the promise and the fulfillment. And we all have been there and we all spend some time there. And we all have Ziklag experiences if you want to call it that. But it was there at Ziklag at this, in this passage that we read this morning that David experienced one of the lowest, the very lowest points in his life. He had probably the worst experience that he had ever had. And David had been through some difficult times and faced some giants, as we know, and faced some hard times. But this had to be the most difficult time in David's life. He and his men are returning to Ziklag from a three-day journey. And I want to interject as well that during this this time of one year and four months that David was there, he was, he was out of the will of God for his life. He had gotten away from the will of God. So I just want you to be aware of that. But he and his men are returning to Ziklag from a three-day journey. And as they draw near to the city of Ziklag, they notice that there is, uh, they notice from the distance a black smoke that is rising from the city. And when they get to the city, they come to the city, they are, they are horrified to, to see what has happened there. The city had been burned. The Amalekites had attacked the city while David and his men were gone. The city had been burned and, and their homes had been destroyed. Their wives and their children had been taken captives. And so basically they come back to the city of Ziklag and find out that they had lost everything. And David's men, the ones that were so close to him and loyal to him, now begin to blame David for what has happened. And they wanted to stone him and kill him. One day they were on his side and the next day they were ready to get rid of him. So surely I think we can say here that David was having a bad day. He was having a terrible day. He was experiencing some things that, 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 that brought him low and that brought him down. And you know, bad days come to everybody, don't they? We all have bad days. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, to be a downer this morning in this message, but the fact is that none of us are exempt from trials. None of us are exempt from tests. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord just spoke that to us and reminded us of that. 
that bad days come to us. Bad days come without warning many times. You can be going through a wonderful time and enjoying a great day and enjoying a good day and the blessings of the Lord. And then the next day, things can just get turned upside down. And that's basically what happened here with David. That was the situation with David. And uh, so bad days come to all of us and many times without an advance notice or without an advance warning. But when those days come, when we go through those bad times in life and experience those times, we have a thousand questions running around in our mind and we're always wondering, why did this have to happen to me? Why did, did this come to me? What's going on? You know, could I have done anything to prevent this? And we ask these questions. Could I have done, is God mad at me? Is God angry with me? Did I do something wrong? And there's, you know, there's a time to do some heart searching, but that just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean that you've done something wrong or that God is angry with you or anything like that. But those are questions that we all ask when we're facing those times. And Ziklag is a hard place to be. And like David, you and I will all visit Ziklag sometime in our life. But here's the thing. When we're going through those difficult times and facing those Ziklag experiences, we don't have to stay there in that mess. And we find out from this passage that David, even on the worst day, on a bad day, he didn't live in that and stay in that, but he found victory through it and he found a way out. David took some action and I believe today that you and I can learn some lessons from what David did here how to turn a bad day into a good day and a terrible day into a victorious day. God specializes in turning situations around in our life. God specializes in picking us up out of the mire and out of the terrible times of life and bringing us to to times of victory and picking us up. We can't listen. I don't know what you may be facing today or what you may be going through today, but I am here to tell you this morning that you can rise up out of the ashes of Ziklag no matter what kind of a bad experience you're facing. There is a way out and a way to obtain the victory that God has intended for you to have. Can I get an amen this morning? Praise God. He'll do it. But I want us to look at this story and see what David did and learn some lessons and see the action that David took and see what happened in his life. And the very first thing that we notice when David experienced this bad time in his life, the very first thing that he did is usually the very first thing that we do when we experience bad times. The Bible said that David wept. He wept. He and the men, all of the men, the Bible said in verse 4, that David and the people that were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. 
Anybody ever been through a bad time and, and spent some time weeping? I think all of us have. There, there's, not, there's not one of us here today that, haven't, that has not spent some time weeping. When you look at this situation here and you find David and his 600 men. Listen, these guys, David and these valiant men of his were not wimps. They were not sissies. Amen? They were, they were valiant soldiers, strong, valiant soldiers. But even when they were facing this difficult situation at Ziklag, they could not hold back their tears. The Bible said they cried until they could cry, until they could weep no more. When you face that difficult time in your life, when you face the bad days of your life, the worst days of your life, let me, let me just tell you something. When tragedy comes and heartache comes and trouble comes and you don't understand, listen, it's okay to weep. It's all right to cry. It's okay to weep. Amen. We walk by faith. And and the walk by faith is not a walk without feelings. And we need to understand that today. Because living by faith doesn't make us immune to feelings. God has created us as emotional beings. And we all uh, experience different emotions. And we experience feelings. But we don't live by those feelings. But we still do experience feelings. We are emotional creatures. We all experience and feel things such as joy and peace and excitement and anger. But we also experience and feel sadness many times. And it's natural and it's acceptable an acceptable response to the cruel blows of life to shed tears and to weep. Someone wrote a song some years ago that we're all familiar with that says that tears are a language that God understands. And I believe that today. That tears are a language that God understands. And listen to me, saints of God. Weeping is not inconsistent with faith. I know sometimes people say, well, if you're, if you're upset and you're crying and you're weeping, uh, you need to just stop that and start believing God because you're, you're not exercising faith when you're weeping. Well, I don't know where they got that from, but that's not in the Word of God. Amen? I mean, weeping and and crying is not inconsistent with faith. Some of the greatest giants of faith in the Word of God, we find in the Scripture that they wept. Abraham wept at the death of Sarah. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and wept when he had gotten a bad report. Job went through one of the most severe trials that anyone could ever face. And the Bible tells us of how that Job wept in his trial. Jeremiah wept over the sins of Israel and was known as the weeping prophet. And Paul, through the times of trial he went through, even had times of weeping. And even Jesus himself, the shortest verse in the Bible says what? In John eleven thirty five, 35, at the tomb of Lazarus, that Jesus wept. So it's not a sign of a lack of faith to weep or to cry in times of trial and testing. We deal with the facts and the feelings of our infirmities. And thank God today that Jesus knows what we're feeling. He knows what we're going through. He has experienced those things for himself. And the Bible says that Jesus is a high priest that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities today. Don't ever let the devil tell you that God is not concerned about your situation. Jesus knows where you're at. He knows what you're feeling. 
He knows what you're going through. And he is there to lift you up and to help you through the darkest hour and valley of your life. Vicki and I have, have in our life and ministry have had our nights of weeping. We have had times when there was nothing else that we could do except to weep. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 4, and everybody's pretty much familiar with this chapter, but it says in Ecclesiastes 3 and 4 that there is a time to weep, doesn't it? There's a time and a season for everything, the Bible says. And it says that there is a time to weep and there is a time to mourn. So weeping has its place in our life. It's not inconsistent with our faith. But I do want to say this, and I do want to stress this. After we have a season of weeping and a time of weeping, then there comes that time to take steps towards strength and victory. See, David took those steps, and you and I can take those steps too and we've got to remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 30 and 5 he said that weeping may endure for what a night but joy comes in the morning so what the word of God is saying yeah there's a time to weep and there's a time to mourn and there's a time to be sad but then there is also a time to overcome that and to come through that and to have joy and to have victory weeping endures for the night but thank God for the morning is coming when joy comes in the morning and some of you may be going through that time of weeping right now but be of good cheer there's a morning coming and the sun's going to shine and you're going to be lifted up out of the ashes of Ziklag and God has got a victory for your life today come on amen oh hallelujah you've got to believe that you've got to hold on to that so David wept that was the first thing he did when he had a very bad day. And when things went south for him, he wept. But the second thing that David did was he waited. This is important, ladies and gentlemen. What do you mean, Brother Rick? David wept. His men wept. But then after they were through weeping, they wept till they could weep no more. And David just took a deep breath and sat down and collected his thoughts and just waited on God. Boy, this is the hard thing for us to do. But David refused to be pushed into the panic mode. He didn't allow some frantic reaction. He didn't overreact to the situation. And he knew, David knew this much. He had, he had, he had been through things before. He had had dealings with, with problems before. And he knew that unless he waited on God's direction, that his reaction could make matters worse. And how many times have you and I done that very thing? We've reacted and we've moved and we've acted in the time of troubles in our life and not taken the time to pray and to wait upon God and to get the direction of the Holy Spirit in our life. Do you understand and realize how important the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit is to you and in your life? No, we, we, we can't be in that place tonight, today, believers. We can't allow ourselves to get in that place where we instantly react when trouble comes. Yes, there's a time of weak, weeping, but we can't get into that panic mode. The Bible Bible says in verse 7 and 8 of our text that David called to Abiathar the priest and he said to Abiathar, he said, bring me the ephod, bring the ephod to me. 
And Abathar brought the ephod to David and it said in verse 8 that David inquired of the Lord and he asked the Lord. See, here's the important thing we need to do when we're having a bad day. Well, even on our good days, but especially when you're having a bad day, you need to inquire of the Lord. And David asked the Lord, he said, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Listen to me, saints. This is a great lesson for us when we are facing those bad days in life. To inquire of the Lord. And always, we must always remember that there is wisdom in finding that quiet place in the presence of the Lord and taking the situation to God in prayer and seeking Him for direction in our life as to what we're to do next. Never move. Never make a decision. Never act act, act without first taking time to seek the Lord and to pray and to wait upon God for Him to give you the direction that you need for your life. That's so vitally important for us today. Amen? We, we need to take a lesson from Jesus and from the life of Jesus who is our example and the Bible says concerning Jesus that, that, that in the morning that Jesus would rise uh, a long while before day and he would go to a solitary place he would get alone and get by himself and there he would pray and folks it's in that solitary place of prayer it's in that place when you get alone in your prayer closet Remember what Jesus said to do? To go into your closet and shut the door and pray to your Father in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. It's in those solitary places of prayer that you can hear from God and get an answer from God and and make the right decisions that will bring the right results in your life. That's why you need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Is anybody here today? That's why you need to to have your spiritual ear in tune to the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, I know Sister Denise is teaching on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and, um, and the adult Sunday school class, Bible class. And we need, everybody needs the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Everybody needs to be full of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit, that third person of the God. Godhead who takes up residence in you and I who leads us. Jesus said when the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth. I don't know about anybody else but you're looking at one old boy up here this morning that I have got to have the guidance and the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit every single day of my life. I'm alone sometime, at some time of the day most of the time in the morning talking to the Lord asking Him for direction asking Him for guidance asking Him to lead me come on somebody on my good days and on my bad days I've got to have the wisdom and the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit how many agree with that today I can't make it by myself You've got to take that time, saints, to collect yourself and to get quiet and to wait on God. 
to hear a word from the Lord. And Isaiah, we all know the verses from Isaiah chapter 40, says that those who wait, oh, hallelujah. See, that's our problem. We don't like to wait. We're all in such a hurry. We all are, we're in this, uh, you know, in this, this modern age in which we live and, and we're in a microwave generation and drive-throughs and everybody, you know, hurry, hurry, hurry and rush, rush, rush. But they who wait, who take the time to wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. See, that is some good advice for our worst days in life, for the bad days that come. Inquire of the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Go to the Lord in prayer. After you've cried till you can't cry no more, go to the Lord and get direction from God. And He, through the Holy Spirit, will tell you what you need to do. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. But the most important thing that David did is what he did next. He wept. He waited. But the third thing that he did was he worshiped. Oh, hallelujah. He worshiped. Verse 6 said that David strengthened himself. The King James says he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Right in the middle. See, I love this. Because right in the middle of all of his trouble, right in the middle of the, of the worst situation that he had ever been in in his life, the city was burned, their homes were burned, their children were, were taken captive by the Amalekites, their wives were taken captive by the Amalekites. And right in the middle of the worst situation, after he had wept, after he had waited, after he had inquired upon God, he found encouragement that comes from meditating and worshiping the Lord. He worshiped God. Y'all are so excited about that, aren't you? He spent some time in worship and he saw all around him his men who were downcast. They were wanting to stone him as well. Everything was falling apart. He had no one. David didn't have anybody to encourage him. And you know, we all need to be encouragers, don't we? We need to encourage one another. But how many knows that sometimes in life there isn't anybody there to encourage you or to strengthen you? Has anybody ever ever been there? Well, I don't know why Pastor Rick didn't call me and lift me up. Well, give me a call. I'll do what I can to lift you up. But Pastor Rick may not be there. Your Sunday school teacher may not be there. You may be in a situation where there's nobody at all to encourage you and you know what you got to do in that in that case you got to learn how to strengthen and encourage yourself 
men of the Lord your God. And you do that, ladies and gentlemen, through worship and through praise. He had to encourage himself. You know what I believe David did? I know the scripture doesn't say this, but this is what I believe that he did. I believe that David, who was a psalmist, wasn't he? Oh, most of the psalms, the biggest part of the psalms we have in those 150 chapters of psalms are songs of praise and prayers and uh, unto God. And the biggest majority of those psalms were penned by David penned by David. He was a songwriter. He was a harp player. He was a psalmist. And I believe David was a good musician because when Saul was being uh, tormented by demon spirits, the Bible said that he called for little David. Remember that? And David came in and played his harp and played some anointed music. And when he played that anointed music, the evil spirits couldn't stand that. Those evil spirits left Saul and God and the spirit of God refreshed Saul. He was refreshed by the music of David. And so it doesn't say that David did this. But I just believe that David in the midst of this terrible situation in his life that he got his harp and he got over alone with God and he began to play on that harp and he began to worship and sing praise to God. I believe he probably began to sing one of his own songs that he wrote. Maybe he he began to sing to the Lord, bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name and bless the Lord oh my soul and forget not all of his benefits who forgiveth all of mine iniquities and who healeth all of my diseases and who redeems my life from destruction and he begins to sing that song of praise to God maybe the next one he began to sing was was Psalm 34 I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast of the Lord and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I believe that David praised God for His power. I believe David praised God for His majesty. I believe that he sang the praises of his Redeemer and worship God as his deliverer who gave him power and victory over the lion, the bear, and the giant. And David, when he began to praise God for who he was, understood and realized, praise God, if God brought me through everything else I've been through, that same God can bring me through this. I'm going to praise the Lord with all of my heart. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. As he sang those praises, he began to feel strength coming in. He encouraged himself and was lifted above the present circumstances into the presence of El Shaddai, the Almighty God. When he sang, I will bless the Lord at all times, he meant I'm going to praise him in the good times. I'm going to praise him in the bad times. Even in the worst day of my life, God is worthy to be praised. Come on, somebody. So David, as he praised, the Lord right in the middle of a burnt out ziklag on his worst day he felt the strength of God come into his life into his spirit you don't have to sit in the ashes another moment you can worship God today and let God put the strength of the Holy Spirit back on the inside of you today and lift you up 
Woo, come on. Yeah, go ahead and praise him. See, when David magnified the Lord through worship, his problems seemed smaller. And that is exactly what worship does. It helps us with our perspective. David, through his praise, placed the magnifying glass of praise upon the Lord and realized that all of his problems combined, no matter what he was going through, no matter what he was experiencing, all of his problems combined could not intimidate his God. Hallelujah. God was not moved by those situations. God was still in control. And God had an answer. Because He, oh hallelujah, He is almighty. And He is all powerful. And He is bigger than any challenge you will ever face. Or any zigzag that you will ever go through. Praise God. And that's why the scripture tells us that we can praise Him at all times. We need some Pauls and Silas's that can praise the Lord in the midnight hour in the midst of a, of a, of a Roman prison. Come on, some of Philippian jailhouse that can praise him when their backs are bleeding and when it looks like everything is all hope is gone that can still worship God that's the road to get out of Ziklag that's the road to overcoming the Amalekites that's the road to victory in our life after you've wept after you've waited you need to worship you need to praise you need to give glory to the Lord your God (laughs) hallelujah He's bigger than any mountain that you'll face. Bigger than any problem that you'll ever go through. And as David praised God, a change came to him. He could feel himself being encouraged. He could feel the strength of God. I believe the entire atmosphere at Ziklag changed when David began to play and to worship the Lord. See, well, that's why we, we love good, anointed Music and singing, right? It changes the atmosphere. Praise God. It it brings a refreshing of the Holy Spirit into our lives. David, before David, before David could get his stuff back, he first had to get his joy back. And you need to get a hold of that today. Because the devil has taken some of your stuff. He's the thief that comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. And he's come to steal some stuff from God's people. But I tell you what, if he can steal your joy, he's got your strength. Isn't, what the, isn't that what the Bible said? The joy of the Lord is our strength. If he can steal your joy, he's got your strength. And before David could get his stuff back, he had to get his joy back. He had to get his faith back. He had to get a word from the Lord. Praise God. And when he did, God moved in his behalf. Hallelujah. He wept, he waited, he worshiped, and then he received a word. God spoke. God answered him immediately. David asked two questions. He said, Lord, shall I pursue this troop And shall I overtake them? And immediately God answered David's request and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them without fail, recover all. That's a good word for a bad day. Come on, somebody. 
Go after them, David. Get after them, David. Can you believe today that God is still speaking to his children? I know there's those that there's those preachers that say that people that hear that hear the Lord that say they've heard the Lord speak are a little bit off. They're not quite just right. They're little cuckoo they're hearing voices well I don't believe that you listen you need to listen to every voice that comes into your mind but know the voice of the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost speaks to you down in here and everything he says to you will be in line with what he's already written in this word come on somebody but I'm here to tell you today that if you'll inquire of the Lord if you'll worship the Lord in the midst of your ziklag God is still talking and God is still speaking and God has got a word for you to pick you up out of the mess you're in today if you'll hear God's word. I don't, I don't know how long David sought God. I don't know how long he prayed. I don't know how long he worshipped but I do know this that in less than five seconds a word came from God that gave him complete and total victory and I don't know how long you've been praying today or what you may be facing today but God in an instant of time can give give you a word today that will give you the victory that you need you can leave this service today totally different and change than what you were when you came in it just takes one word from the Lord Woo! come on amen David refused to be pushed by panic. He wouldn't be driven by rush or emotion. He had to know that God had spoken to him. God said, what did he say to David? He got a word God said to him. First thing he said to him was, David, get up. See, there comes a time when you've got to just get up and arise out of the ashes of your circumstances. The second thing God said was, go. You know, the first two letters in God are G-O. Go. He's a go God. Amen. (laughs) I preached here a few weeks ago on the children of Israel there at the Red Sea, and uh, they didn't know what to do. What did God say? What was His word to them? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward, move forward. We can't get stagnant or set still and just continue to sit in the situation that we're in. But God said go. Listen, God's a moving God. He wants you to move with Him. You're going to have to. See, here's the important thing, saints of God. When you're under this attack of the enemy, you have got to have, you're going to have to attack Satan yourself. Well, praise God, I guess I'll pencil that in my notes. did not go over well. <clears throat> the Bible says Jesus himself said this. See, listen, we can't be passive when it comes to doing spiritual warfare and facing the enemy of our souls. 
We can't just sit down and be passive about anything. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and 12, he said, From the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The violent take it by force. See, you, listen to me, saints. This is the part we don't like to hear. But, you know, we're always wanting God to do something about the devil. God, I need you to do something about the devil. God, get rid of the devil out of my life. Can I tell you something today? Listen to what I'm going to say. That God has already done everything he needs to do about the devil concerning you. Because at the cross of Calvary, when Jesus said it is finished, when he gave his life and shed his blood, he spoiled principalities. He spoiled the powers of darkness. He crushed the head of the serpent. He defeated the powers of darkness. And the Bible said that he's given to you, to the believer, to the church, power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. Are you listening to me? God has given some power and authority to the church and to the believer. And God is saying to you, you are going to have to get take the initiative and launch an attack against the enemy and go off into the enemy's camp and take back everything that the devil has stolen from you. Come on. Woo, yeah. You and I have to drive the devil out of our life. He has no right with your stuff. Satan is an intruder. Satan is a bully. And he only understands one kind of language. And that language is violence. Amen. That's how you deal with a bully. You can't pacify a bully. Wish our Washington would hear that. Amen? You can't appease and pacify these nations out here that are seeking to do America harm. You've got to stand up, get a backbone, and take the initiative, amen, that we will not be bullied by other nations. And as a child of God, we will not be bullied by the powers of darkness. Jesus has set us free by his blood. Right? Praise God. Hallelujah. You can't negotiate with a bully. And I was going to give a little story, but I better not. Probably wouldn't fare well in school today. Anybody ever been bullied when you were in school? I was. I remember it well in fourth grade by a fifth grader. I could call his name now. Bullied me every day, pushed me around, made fun of me, uh, you know, called me names every day. And I put up with it, and I put up with it, and every day, every day, every day. And finally, here I am. He's, I, I know he was about this much taller than me. Again, I'm in fourth grade, he's in fifth. I know he was about that much taller than me because I had to look up when I punched him right square in the mouth. Can I tell you something? All that intimidation was over with. Because when I hit him, I felt ooh, I felt something coming on me. And you know what he did? Do you know what the bully did? 
He didn't cry, but he backed off. And everybody else was saying, oh, you're going to let him do that to you? I'm scared of him. But he didn't do it. I never had another problem with the bully again, ever. That's what you've got to do to the devil. Smith Wigglesworth tells of the story of, of sitting waiting on a bus. And a little lady was coming down the street, coming to the bus stop. And Smith was watching her. And, and as she was coming to the bar, bus stop, she had a little bitty, little puppy dog that was following her. Her dog, her little yapping dog was following at her heels. And, and she turned around and said, no, baby, you can't go with mama. you got to go back home. Go back up to the house. Go on back home. And she turned around and started walking toward the bus stop. And that little dog, yip, 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 yip. You know, right, right on her heels. And she turned around and said, no, baby, go on, go on. Get back home, get back home. And about three times she'd done that. And he said about the fourth time, she turned around and stomped her foot and said, get. And said that little old dog tucked its tail between its legs and and ran back to the house. And Smith said that I couldn't hold myself when I saw that. He said, lady, that's the way you've got to treat the devil. You can't patty cake with him. You've got to take the authority of the word of God, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and say, devil, I stand against you by the authority and the power of the Lord Jesus who defeated you at the cross of Calvary. Amen. That wasn't in my notes, but that's free. It won't cost you any different, any extra. God said, David, get up and go. And then he said, you will, you shall recover all. Man, what a promise. God said to David, if you'll get up and you'll get your army together and you'll go pursue the enemy, you will get back everything that they stole from you. Listen. You may have suffered a temporary setback. The enemy may have stolen something precious from you. But I feel like God is saying, breakthrough is on the way for your life. God has a word for you. And I believe that word is the same word he had for David. Pursue. And without fail, you shall recover all. Don't let Satan have the stuff that Jesus has rightfully given to you. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. And last of all, I'm closing with this. David, David then got up and went. He went. When he got the word from the Lord, he acted on it and he went. Satan had attempted to paralyze him with, with, with circumstances. And nothing would 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 please the enemy more than to put your life on hold today. But two key words that say it all of what brought the victory to David was that he went. David had said, enough is enough. It's time to do something. I'm not going to accept the defeat as the final word. So armed with the word of God, with the promise of God, armed with God's will, David pursued the enemy. 
And the Bible said in verse 18, you, you read that whole chapter when you get home and how God led them to an Egyptian that had, had, had been, that had been a part of that army and that led them to where the Amalekites were. But anyway, the bottom line was they found the enemy. They found the enemy's camp and they went in and defeated the Amalekites. They defeated the enemy that had stolen and robbed from them. And the Bible said, just as the Lord had promised in verse 18, it says, so David recovered all. He got it all back. Everything that, that the enemy had taken, David got it all back. And God wants you to know today that no matter how devastating a blow you've been dealt, He wants you to know that no matter how much pain you've endured, in God, in Christ, there is recovery today. There is restoration today. He is a God of restoration and recovery. See, that's the glory of the gospel message today, ladies and gentlemen. The gospel message is a message of recovery and restoration. That no matter what you've lost or how far you've drifted from God or how far down you've gotten or how far out of the will of God you are, the gospel message is there is recovery there is restoration and you can recover all today that the enemy has taken away you can get it back David recovered all worship team make your way back today you know this is such a great end to a difficult story and I want to say something else in closing the worst day of David's life was on this day. But do you know what? He had been chased for years. He had run from Saul. He had run from Absalom. He had, he had, he had you know, he went through all of this stuff. He had went through all these trials. He had faced the lion. He had faced the bear. He had faced Goliath. He had faced the Philistines. But 72 hours after this worst day of his life, he was crowned king in Hebron over Judah. Three days later, 72 hours after his worst day, God turned it into his best day. So don't give up. Weep if you have to weep. Wait and inquire of the Lord. Worship and give Him praise in the midst of your situation. Amen? Then go and do what He tells you to do and recover what the enemy has taken away. Pursue the victory. Don't be satisfied without the victory that God wants you to have in your life. Would you stand with me this morning? Oh, hallelujah. Father God, we love you today. Oh, we praise your name. We worship you this morning. What an awesome God. I pray you will touch every life today. 